it's an honor, let me say, it's an honor for me to, uh, to have my son ask me to preach service, uh, especially on Father's Day, which is a special day. So thank you, Pastor Bronson, for allowing me to come. I'm, I'm so proud of my son. I uh, have two sons. One of them's a pastor in Florida, and one of them's, uh, of course, you know here, is an awesome man of God. Um, this answer my prayer. We're, we're here today, uh, week three on series, Teach Us to Pray. Well, I'm just here to tell you that God has answered a lot of my prayers. Uh, Bronson shared with you a little bit of my testimony, and I think about a year ago I gave my testimony, and he gave me a service while he's gone. And uh, but he's he's living my prayers. When uh, when I finally got my life right with God, it was a lot of times that I was gone, and I wasn't a good husband nor a good father. And uh, I'm thankful that God didn't give up on me. That he gave me a second chance and a third and a hundredth and a two hundredth and I don't know how many he gave me. But, you know, one day, one day I finally realized that living in the darkness wasn't near as fun as what it could be living for Christ. You know, I was brought up in the church. My parents were great. I had a great father. Uh, taught me right, but I just drifted with the wrong crowd. And it, 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 it paid a, not only a toll on my life and my marriage, but it also took a toll on my children. Um, so I'm thankful that God gave me a chance. And uh, while they were still young enough to realize, I wanted to teach them how to pray. So welcome back. Welcome back. Pastor Bronson has done an awesome job these last two weeks in, in bringing us, uh, uh, talking about Jesus and, and, and teaching us how to pray and using the Miles Prayer. Uh, our focus in this series has been the Lord's Prayer from Luke uh, 11 and Matthew 6. And uh, when Jesus in Matthew 11 uh, was praying, it says when the disciples came and asked him to teach me how to pray. And as I was looking for today for, for, for which way God wanted me to go with his message, I began to look. And, and I've never seen really, and just noticed this before, but you know, Jesus went out by himself to pray like he always did. And when he came back, one of his disciples, uh, the scripture don't really tell us who it was, but he said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And I, it was the moment I read that this week, it just kind of hit me like, you know, the disciples, it's not that they didn't know how to pray. Because they had been praying. They had been walking with God uh, here on this earth. And he, they had seen him. So I'm sure they were going in praying for other people. We know the ministry they were in. And really their ministry hadn't yet started. But they were still walking with Jesus. And I know he, they were seeing people. But I think what they were saying was they saw Jesus leave out every morning and get away by himself. And when he asked him to teach us how to pray, I think what he was saying was, I prayed, but I never see my prayers get results like yours do. I've never seen the blinded eyes and, and the leprosy healed. I've never seen uh, uh, so many things that I see when you do it. Touch a man's eyes and, and, and uh, there were no eyes and now they appear to be eyes. So teach me how to pray maturely, Lord. And that's where I want to take you today. I want you to realize that it's, it's just one thing to pray, but what we need to become is praying people, praying Christians, and, and a praying church is that we need to begin to mature in our prayers. When I first got saved, I used to go to, to my prayer closet and try to pray, and it took me about five minutes, and I had the whole world saved. I'd say, God, thank you for what you did for me, and thank you for the missionaries and my pastor and, and my family, and thank you, God, for all you did in Jesus' name, amen. And I was like, wow, you know what? It's, it's a great world, and everything's going to be better, you know? And uh, one day I was challenged, me and my wife, and when we got our lives straightened up and got our marriage back together, got our family back together, I started going to church, and for the first time in my life, my eyes were wide open. I began to see how awesome God was. And, and I love Sunday mornings. It's my most favorite time of the week because when I come together with other saints, we have worship, awesome worship like we just had, and it just brings me into the presence of God. I used to be so cold-hearted, nothing bothered me. I never cried. I, I was brought up, uh, my father in, in this generation, uh, you know, my dad just turned um, 84, first of this month. 
I don't think it was a written rule. It's just like in their generation, they went through some tough times. And so as my generation come up, you know, we, we were men, you know, men, real men don't cry. We're tough. You know, you would get a boo-boo on your leg when you fall down or something. But don't cry. Men don't cry. You know I mean? It's, it's just kind of like, be tough, be tough, be tough, son, you know? And I'm like, you know, since I've got saved and God has changed my heart, I don't think I can stop crying, especially in church. When I just realized how much God has done for me, how much he's changed my life, how much, I don't care, what changed my life when I was reading one night and, and I read scripture that said Jesus prayed. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Let me, let me take a look at that. God, I mean, it said God, uh, Jesus wept, it said, basically what it said. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. If God can cry, it's okay for me to cry. So I love it now. My wife wants to watch a little girly movie every time, and I'll sit with her and watch hers because she helps me watch mine. And she's like, you crying? I'm like, yeah. I used to like, oh, I'm crying. What you doing? What you, I ain't crying. Now she's like, you crying? I'm like, yeah, I'm crying. She goes, we just cry together. So it's fun. It's okay, guys. Jesus cried. He's God. It's okay if we cry sometimes with our wife watching movies, you know, stuff like that. But hey, uh, let's just go. So hey, let's, let's move on and see what's happened. Uh, our focus in the series is basically is, is, is the goal. Like I told you, my goal is to teach you we need to mature in our prayers. Uh, Ed Cole said, maturity doesn't come with age. It comes with acceptance of responsibility. And I think we have a responsibility to, to our families and to each other, uh, to our church. We have a responsibility. And I think there's never been a more time in America than today that the church needs to begin to come on their knees and begin to pray. I love this song we were singing, you know, sin revival, sin revival. That's, my, that's been my prayer for, for months and months and months. Now, I heard uh, Dwight L. Moody, I read about him one time, and he said that. So he drew a circle, and he stood in the middle of it, and he said, God, let revival start in this circle. And I, I read about the awesomeness and, and, and the people that he reached in this world. And I'm thinking, you know, that's been my prayer. You know, I know Dwight L. Moody said that, God, but here am I. If you can use me, let me do something. Let me be effective. There's a lot of people who used to be like I used to be, far from God. So let me reach those people. So I pray. I've learned to pray. Uh, uh, how I got really praying, I was challenged we, uh, when we were teaching uh, young, young boys ministries, me and my wife, first, second, third graders, it was an international month for that, for that organization. It was a Royal Ambassadors. And, and so it was an international month. And, and so we, my wife called out to a, a college that's in our community. She says, do you have any international students? And they say, yeah. They gave her names of two or three, and she called one. The one who actually ended, ended up answering the call was a guy from South Korea. And he came to speak to us guys about his country. And what really touched my heart was he said, uh, in our country, we pray a lot. And South Korea is, is known for praying long prayers, I mean, time-wise. He said, in our country, people are poor, and they don't have vehicles and stuff like we do here. He said, most of the people get up in the morning, so they walk. Before they go to work, they walk to the church, and they take literally uh, going into your prayer closet and pray what Scripture says. They literally, in the basements of their churches, they just have hallways, uh, just doors that you can go in. They're just small enough to get in and just barely bow down, he said. And they'll pray for an hour to two hours, and then they'll walk on the work for an hour most of the time. And they'll walk back from work to church before they go home and pray for another hour or two, and then walk home an hour or two. And I'm like, who could pray for one hour? I mean, that's crazy. I mean, an hour? But it began to get in my spirit. I began to realize that, you know, I wasn't praying mature prayers, and I needed to begin to do that. So our passage here in Luke, one of Jesus' disciples asked him to pray, and I can say um, results is what he was wanting. When we pray, we, we're looking for results. We're looking for maturity. 
So as Christians today, maybe we need to first just ask ourselves, do I pray every day? Do I take the time? Do I, do I really just take the time to get up in the morning and, and, and use the model that Jesus gave us through what we're studying right here and pray? And then I guess we have to ask ourselves, could I pray for one hour? I used to say, how could anybody pray for an hour? Now, hours is just a good warm-up sometimes. I've got the best job in the world. I work for a company uh, down off 316. It's a large construction company. Um, I get paid to go tell people about Jesus. I get paid to pray. I, I pray in the office. We have prayer meetings, even, even the, the, the owner, the vice presidents, the, you know, all of these guys. We get together a, a lot of times and just get in the conference room and we just pray. We just ask God to bless our, our, our families, our churches, our business. Well, we pray a lot. And, and so I'm blessed to be able to go out and, and to minister to God. It, it's awesome. But it, there was a time when I didn't know how to pray. And I really didn't have anybody teach me except the Word of God and the Holy Spirit begin to come. And I, as I would ask God, you know, show me. How can I pray an hour, God? And he began to show me. I uh, began to get prayer lists and begin to do a lot of things. But let's go to our scripture in Luke 1, uh, Luke 11, chapter 1. And let's, let's read that scripture right there together. And it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so as I was reading that, I, you know, Pastor Bronson did a good job last week of bringing that in and stuff. So I was looking at it and I began to think, you know, I remember a time when I was, uh, when I was a senior in high school and my brother was in, uh, a junior in high school, we loved to water ski. And uh, me and my brother bought a ski boat together and we skied from April to October. Uh, I mean, actually from February. Uh, if it was a pretty day in February and sun was shining, we had wet suits and we would start from the bank a lot of times, but we were good. We slot them mostly. Uh, I loved to slot them. I was very good at it. We spent all the time on the lake for, for love time. So, But my brother began to come to a place where it wasn't just as fun to ski and water ski and do the tubes and all the stuff. So he decided he was going to learn to barefoot. No skis, bare tiptoes in the water skiing. And so we began to teach him. Uh, uh, he didn't have a teacher, but we began to, to just look. So he started off on a slalom and kicked one off and tried to get one foot in there. And, and eventually he would fall. He fell and fell and fell. And eventually he would get where he could hold one foot in the water and kind of pick up the weight off of his other, the little of the slalom. And he moved from there to, uh, to get into uh, my sister's little slalom. She was, she's five years younger than I am, so she had a little shorter pair. So he would use her ski and take the boat back boot off so he could put his foot in it. And as he would begin to get this foot in the water and lift that up a little bit, he would kick that thing off and, and, and put his, the other foot in the water. And he'd, he'd make it for a foot or two and fall, and he wiped out some bad times. But eventually he, he bought these little skis that were called dog bones. They actually looked like a little dog bone. They were real wide. And he would get up on a slalom on one of those, which was very difficult to get up, and kick, then kick that off. And eventually he was good. He, he, could, he could ski for a mile. He, he, he just got where he could go and go and go. So he began to get, talk to me and say, you need to learn how to barefoot. I'm like, I don't know. That's really, I'm okay skiing, you know. I mean, I saw the hard work. I pulled him and, and stuff to see the hard work. So he stayed after me, stayed after me. So I said, okay, let's try it, you know. And um, so I would try it and fall, try it and fall, try it and fall. And then finally I would try to almost get up a little bit. But I never, I, my heart wasn't in it, you see. I really, I really didn't care about it. He was a gymnast. I was a football player, you know. I, I didn't really care about doing the thing. So, I mean, he actually would get to the place where he could start dead stuff in the water, you know, start just sitting in the water, wrap his feet around the ropes, take off, and be able to stand up. And I tried it a couple of times at about drowning because all I did was just went straight under the water. So I gave up. I said, look, dude, I, I am fine with this. My slalom, I'm pretty good on it. I love it. I'm good. You do the barefoot, and, 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 uh, but like I say, it was just a place in my life that was really defeated. I really didn't have my heart in it. I really didn't mature in it. It wasn't something I wanted to do. 
But I think in, in our prayer life, it's something that we must do. We, we don't have that luxury anymore of, of, of not praying, okay? Um, if we don't take the time to get on our knees and learn how to pray, and learn how to get results from our prayers, and not just asking God stuff, but letting God show us in our spirit what we need to ask and begin to do, that we, 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 will, we will, life is just not going to go as good as it could. So let's go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and let's just see what the Lord's Prayer was. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Some call it the Disciples' Prayer because he was teaching the disciples how to pray. And we know this is just a model of prayer. It's not something that we're supposed to throw up here like a lot of religions do when they say, you know, there's, you do something in your life. It's like, well, say this prayer. They got certain prayers for everything they do, and they memorize them. This is not a prayer we're supposed to memorize. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a method. It's a pattern. Okay, so in chapter 6, verse 9, it says, This then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Pastor Bronson took us through and, and, and brought us through those scriptures and, and, and commented on those last week and did a great job. But then today I'm going to try to take us on through 11 and 13. And 11 says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay. So I see the first half of Jesus' prayer is acting like a filter when he began to go through 10, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, he began to just kind of like set a filter. So after we have sincerely prayed about God's name, his kingdom, and his will, then it's time for us to start praying much differently about our needs. And that's what we have uh, started, uh, that we have so many needs. A lot of times we want to start with our needs. God, I need this. You know this bills do, and, and you know that car, your car, you, you know, your car is broke down. It's been sitting in the driveway two days. The oil's leaking out and something else. I don't really know what it is, but you know that, that thing out there, guy. It, it really, you, you, you could use the, you, you could probably send me a new one. It would be better off, you know, be cheaper. We wouldn't have to worry about it. You know, that's, that's usually how we start out our prayers. You know, give me, uh, me, myself, and I what I need, you know. And it's like, God's kind of not that direction. It's kind of like our kids, you know, wanting a candy bar every hour uh, before he goes to bed, or, you, know, uh, you, you know, a soft drink and a candy bar. No, 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 that's not good for you. We're not going to let you do it. You're going to be bouncing off the wall till four o'clock in the morning. No, you're not getting a candy bar and you're going to bed. And it's like, it's not that we're bad parents. And so I think God is the same way. God is a good father. And he knows what's best for us. He knows what's better than we do. So when he tells us no sometimes or not right now sometimes, we need to understand that we need to kind of get in his will and see what, what he really likes. So, well, you know, old habits are hard to break. And um, we all have weak areas in our life. And, and sometimes it's just hard to break those things. I found out the best way to break some of my old habits that I've tried to do with some of my weaknesses in my life. You know, you know we all have a personality there, there's only like five personalities that God's put uh, in, in this world. And, and some of our personalities, you know, they, they'll overlap a little bit. But we pretty much have dominant personalities. And these personalities, we have pluses and negatives. And so I've learned that I need to uh, work on my negative part, you know. Uh, work on the things in my life that, that's not really getting a lot of stuff done. It's a hindrance. And I try to work on my bad habits and stuff, or I used to really when I first became saved. Some of my old stuff would come, you know, the enemy's he's really good at bringing your past up in your face and, and trying to get you back in your old ways, you know. But I begin to pray, God, I'm having trouble with this. And I learned really just to kind of take my, my habits, my prayers. And, and today, more today than anything, is, is the situations that's going on in my life or the people I'm praying for. And I just kind of take them right here and say, God, 
You know, I've, I've been a little ill with my wife this week, you know, and, and, and I realize, and she's made it very clear that, it, you know, that I, I'm wrong, and, and I am. Or, or, you know, there's some sickness going on in the family, or there's something else. I've learned this to take my hand and say, God, I can't handle this. I'm not able. Your word says that I can do nothing on my own, but in you I can do all things. So, here, I'm giving this to you, this sickness that the doctor says I have. I'm not accepting that because your word tells me that I don't have to go through that. And so, here. And I, by faith, begin to trust and believe him and begin what his, his word says. We, we have to get scripture in our hearts and begin to learn, um, really begin to learn what the scripture is so that we can pray scripture. If we've if we got to be in God's will for him to answer a prayer, we need to know what God's will is. What does he really want for us? You know, each of us that are, if you're alive and sitting in this room today or you're anywhere else in this world, if you're alive today, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I honestly believe that if you completed the purpose and the plan that he had for your life, why would he leave you in this old world anymore? I believe it would bring you home and put you in that glory place, you know, that, 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 them streets of gold, the heavenly places. And so um, we need to begin to pray and see, what is this our will? I prayed. I began to pray, God, show me. What is it you, you have for my life? And he began to tell me. He told me, he says, I, I've called you to, pray, to, to preach when you were 15. And I'm like, if you knew me at 15, I never taught. I was an introverted person. I was play football I was I, I just wasn't a talker I would listen I just didn't have much to say but God's totally changed my life and I'm like how, how you know I, it's, I sounded kind of like Moses you know I can't talk God I mean I don't, I don't talk you know but he changed everything about me and he, and he gave me a vision honestly honestly about probably 18 maybe 20 years ago when I first got saved probably a couple of years after me and my wife got our lives back on track and I began to pray and begin to teach my boys how to pray God told me that, he, that I was going to start a church, and I wasn't going to be the senior pastor. And I think I might have mentioned this in my sermon before when I, when I spoke about a year ago. But I've been to think, I don't know. And, and, and over the years, it's been two or three times when people have come to us and, and asked us, you know, we, we feel like God's leading us to start a church, and we want you to pray about being a part of it. And we did. And it was, none of those ever worked out. We never felt like we were in God's will. But then Bronson calls one day and says, uh, um, I, know, I know what I've got to do. I've got to start this church here. You know, what, what we thought we were going to go in this direction and, and this had this church that was really going to be nice for us. And, and God told us we couldn't, we couldn't go there. We, we had to go to Winer and start a church. He says, I need you and mom. I'm like, I don't have to pray about that. I already knew that. I mean, start a church and I'm not the senior pastor. I mean, because I've been, I've been, I've been looking for this day for many, many, many years. And I'm excited. So... Uh, Let's take a look at the very first request that, that from, from the model prayer that we're to look at at the request of God's provision. Verse 11, it said, give us this day our daily bread. What, what is bread? We know that Jesus, you know, he says he's the bread of life. But what is the bread that we need? We, we know we need food and drink, water. We, we need substance for to nourish our bodies. But sometimes we need a healing. We, we need bread. We need, all, we, we need all kinds of things. We, we need help in our weaknesses, like I was talking about. We need help to, in finances. Sometimes our finances are, are, are out. Sometimes it's not our fault that our finances are out. It's not just something that we did by overspending. It's just circumstances that come into our life, like a lost job or, or the economy downturn in our businesses. It's not doing the business, the, the business it was doing. It's not always our fault, but there's, sometimes there's always an attack in, in, in our finances, and we need God to help us. Uh, we need strength uh, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, we, we need strength to, to 
for just about anything. We also need wisdom to, to make business decisions and how we should move. So, so we need that bread, okay? But it's not only bread for our earthly needs. Uh, we also have spiritual needs. I need to pray sometimes to help me, God, to know what I'm to do. Give me discernment. You know, I need, I need, uh, I need you to fill me. Sometimes I feel like my cup's just empty, and it's just I, I'm not a person who, who gets depressed very often. And it's, I've never been badly depressed, so I don't always understand people who, who are that way because I haven't been there. But I've learned that depression is a bad thing in America today, and a lot of people are affected, and it's a hard thing. I've known several people who go through depression, and we have to pray really hard for them. They need people to help them pray. If it weren't for, for certain people, certain close friends, some of these people probably wouldn't be here today because they would have done what a lot of people do in America. Uh, suicide is, is very, very high in our economy, I mean, in our world today. So we need to be discerning people. We, we need to be praying for people. We need to be seeking what God's doing. So we, we need spiritual bread and we need uh, physical bread, okay? So why does Jesus tell us to ask? Why does Jesus say, ask for this stuff? Because now he he's, he's, he's said, ask for it. It's a privilege. It's a privilege for us to ask. We ask because we need to ask. We need to ask for help. You know, as a man, you know, I got this, baby. Yeah, I, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I'm at. Well, where are you? I, I'm, I'm on this highway right here. I, I, I've got it. Well, you know, I'm looking at the map. You're, you, I got this, you know. And finally, after about, you know, two hours, we're like, okay, uh, what was that map again? You know, we need to ask. We, we really need to ask. So we need to ask God because it shows us how utterly dependent we are. You know, if I could do it on my own, what would I need God for? There was a time in my life when I thought I had it, when I thought I had it all on my own. I don't, I don't really need God because, you know, this stuff is all good, you know. I'm enjoying life. I'm hunting. I'm living. I'm, 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 all, I'm in the woods all the time. I got my, my special equipment. You know, I, I'm, I've got my beer and my liquor, and I got all my stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm going and going and going and going, and it's a wonder that I hadn't killed somebody or been killed. But now I've seen the light, and I thank God that he didn't give up on me. People were praying for me. See, that's, that's, that's the reason I'm here today. It's because there were people who were praying for me. Praying for protection over me. Praying for, for, for God to send the Holy Spirit to, to, to prick my heart, to open my eyes. I needed physical and I needed spiritual needs, and those people prayed. Verse 12, let's look, take a look at that. Forgive us as we forgive others. Wow, that's a big one. Jesus used the word here, debt and debtors, in, in, in some of this translation we use. Debt and debtor, basically it's just sin. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. As we forgive those who have sinned against me, those people who have hurt my feelings, those people who did me wrong at that job, those people who treated me wrong, those people who, who talked about me, those people who bullied me. And I learned a long time ago, you know, sometimes I'd be like the, the sons of thunder. I'd say, God, just send a lightning bolt. Strike them dead. Just, just, those people are evil, God. And it's like, and God was like, yeah, they're kind of like you used to be. You remember when you were like that and you mistreated people? Okay, okay, God, I got that. So I begin to learn how to pray, and I begin to look at Scripture. So I just begin to, when God puts stuff on my heart, I just get to Bible, and I go to the concordance in the back, and I just start looking, oh, what does it say about, you know, forgiving people? What does it say about this? And I'll just start looking all the Scriptures up, and I realize how important it was that if I didn't forgive other people, God said, I'm not going to forgive you. And so if, if, I've got, if I've sinned against God because he gave me mercy and grace, he gave me eternal salvation, he gave me a free ride to heaven, all I had to do is, is accept it. The gift. It didn't cost me anything, but it cost Jesus everything. So why should I not extend mercy and grace to somebody who's done me wrong? 
And maybe they will take a look at me and say, wait a minute, I just did that person totally wrong. I was trying to hurt them. I was trying my best to make a man. And they just keep coming and smiling and saying, how you doing? What can I do for you? What, what are your needs? Can I pray for you? And they're like, eventually they're just going to come and say, I, I got to have what that person's got. There's something different. I don't have that. They're always smiling. They always have a peace. I need that. I need that. And so that's why we have to forgive others, okay? The sin that removes fellowship with God, it also hinders our, our relationship with other people, our families and our friends and our coworkers and stuff. We need, it, it's important that we forgive. However, our forgiveness from God creates a responsibility uh, and also that forgiveness. So we have a responsibility as God forgives us to respond to those. Let's take a look at verse 13. Lead us from temptation, deliver us from evil, Scripture says. The word temptation here, it really refers to a trial. Deliver us from trials from the enemy who's trying to lead me back into the temptations. You know, Scripture says that the old man wars with the new man. And when I first read it as I was getting saved and reading my Bible and stuff, I really couldn't figure it out until, you know, God began to explain it to me. So I began to mature a little bit and study and use concordances and, and commentaries and all kind of stuff I could do to read and figure stuff out. I began to read that, you know, my old self used to be pretty evil. But when I got saved, God gave me a new spirit. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new life. But the enemy kept coming back and saying, look, come on, you need to go, you need to go to this club. You need to go this. You need to go to your old place. You need to go to your old friends. And I began to realize, no, you don't, you, you don't own me anymore. I belong to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my, my Savior in heaven. I, I don't, you don't own me no more. So in the name of Jesus, I command you to lead me back. I started praying the words back to him. And when I began to grow and mature in my, in, in my prayer life, I began to put this enemy back at bay. When they come to you, the enemy, people, face it. When people come at you trying to hurt you, it's not really that person that you're, you're dealing with. Remember when, when Jesus asked his apostles, you know, who do men say I am? And some said, uh, you, you're a prophet. You're this, you're that, you're that. And was it Peter? He said, you're Christ, the son of God. He's like, wow. You know, I mean, that was a revelation that God just went through him. And Jesus said, blessed are you, for flesh and blood didn't tell that to you, but the Holy Spirit, Peter. But if you read just a few verses later, Jesus is looking at Peter and saying, get behind me, Satan. Because Jesus is telling him, I'm going to the cross. And Peter says, oh, no, 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 you're not, you're not there. Because he was looking for somebody to deliver him from the Romans. So he had his mind out who Jesus was going to be a king, and they were going to be in his court. And so he didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. So in his flesh, he was saying, oh, no. So Jesus spoke, he didn't say Peter. I think he was walking around and looking behind in the spirit. He was looking behind Peter and he was seeing the devil. He was saying, oh no, you're not taking, you're not taking him. You don't own him, I do. And so he, he rebuked that spirit who spoke through him, who was tempting him, trying to lead him into temptation, trying to get him from the place that God had ordered his steps to, okay? So God allows trials to come into our lives in order to build us in our faith. You know, there's things in my life since I've been a Christian that I thought, man, it was a whole lot easier. It was a whole lot easier to live a life the way I was than it is now because now trying to live right is not easy. When other people are going and doing things that, that Scripture tells me I can't do because it's a sin, and if I did it, I'm going to have, I was going to put a distance between me and God because he can't look on sin. And I would have to begin to to make a decision. Am I going to follow God all the time or half time? 
or totally? Or can I, can I hang out with my old crowd on Fridays and Saturday nights and hang out with God on Mon, um, Sundays and sometimes maybe if I can work on a schedule, Wednesdays? I had to make up my mind. I was either all in or all out. There is no, you can't straddle fence. On, on the sides of the fence, there's nothing there. You'll fall off and get hurt. So I had to totally make up my mind. I'm either all in or I'm all out. There is, there is no lukewarm. God said he, he, there is no lukewarm. So we have to make up our mind. And it takes prayer when we're tempted and Satan is trying to pull us into this avenue of, of giving us these trials in our life to pull us away from God so we can't be under his protection. And, and if you think of it like having an umbrella and the storms we've been having and you're trying to get to your car and it's, it's raining Dogs and cats, as the old saying goes. But you can get an umbrella, you can stay kind of dry. But if you put that umbrella down and run out there, you're going to get soaked. And that's kind of ways of God. As long as you're walking in God's will, according to his word, he's got this protection over us. But when we step out from under the umbrella and go back into the old lifestyle, go back into, oh, nobody's going to know. I mean, it's just one time, and it's not, it's not really that bad. It's a small thing. You, you step out from under God's umbrella and, and you don't have that protection and enemy attacks us more. But it was hard. It's hard trying to live a Christian life sometimes. But the more and totally I pray and learn how to pray and pray in God's will, the more protection I got. But you know, there's a saying that says, without a trial, you can't have a testimony. When we go through the trials and the struggles of life and we, we beat that cancer, we, we, we beat that diseases in our bodies, that leukemia, we, we, we beat a, a sciatic nerve that sometimes when I try to walk that leg doesn't seem like it wants to go with me sometimes, you know? I know God's going to heal me one day. It's already healed. I'm already thankful for it. Because before this side started hurting, this side hurt it so bad, I, I sat and cried. I couldn't even work for six weeks. I could ride. And God miraculously just touched me one night. The pain went away. It's there. It's probably 10, 15 years later, and this side started hurting. But I don't have pain. It's just, I think it's kind of like Paul... Uh, it's just got like a, a thorn in my side. It reminds me to trust God every day. So we got to pray. I pray. I ask God every day to heal this. And one day, I, he will in his timing. You know, we raised our two boys when I got saved to the place that we prayed. We had devotions in our house every night. Monday through Fridays, we had devotions. We prayed. We, we did a, a message. And, and we did it in a rotation. My wife would do it one night, I would do it one night, Bronson would do it one night, and Brian would do it one night. And they had their own devotions. When they were 10, 11 years old, they were doing some, some, some great devotions. Whatever they want to do, sometimes we'd sing a song, we'd pray. We prayed because I realized the importance of prayer. When I got saved, I realized how important prayer was because without God, Scripture says, I can do nothing. And if I don't pray and ask God to minister these needs, there's nothing I can do. And I got more temptations from Satan, more trials coming my way. But when those trials do come and God allows them to come, it's to build my faith, to strengthen me so that I can get through the next one. Or so that when you go through something, I've never lost my parents yet. I've lost all my grandparents. If I've got to go to the funeral home for somebody who's lost their parents, I don't really know how they feel. But if I'm talking to somebody who's coming to me, which often has, happens a lot because if they've gone through divorce, I know how that is. Because me and my wife were divorced for almost three years when I was living in my lifestyle. But see, God brought us back together when I got my life back on track. And, gave, and I surrendered and just gave him my whole life. And he put us back together. And I got my family back. And I'm not losing that. I'm not losing what God's done for me anymore. 
I'm, I'm, not, I'm not stepping half into the world and half into the heaven because there is no, there is no middle. And without prayer, I'm not going to be able to get to where God wants me to. I'm not going to be able to fight the enemy off. So I'm going to continue to work and to move. But in our house, when my boys were growing up, we had devotions. We had devotions all in, every, every night, four or five nights a week. And on the weekends, we didn't do it. We'd let everybody, you know, we, we did stuff. But I learned to pray and mature them. And I felt the need to teach my boys the same thing because mm, I saw my dad pray. But, I, you know, we, and we did some devotions sometimes in our house, but it's like I needed my boys to know that there's a danger on that side of the fence. I didn't want him playing in 316 because he'd get hurt. We know that was a bad dad. I loved him. So I didn't want him to have the enemy to come and attack him and drift me off, even though I was brought up in the church. I was led astray. I didn't want my son to do that. And I prayed for him. And I prayed my prayers with God. Here's my two boys. Here. Use them for your glory. I'd rather give them to you and let you use them. I, I never knew he was going to call them to preach. Both of them. Neither one of them had headed that way. He was going to be an engineer. Bronson was. My other son was going to be a lawyer. They went to college. They were starting their, they were, they were, they were had their road going. And then both of them, God stopped them and said, no, that's not what I got for you. But they were seeking God. Let me tell you a little bit about Bronson. Hey, you know, paybacks, it's, it's hard, son. You know, I, I, I'm listening to these sermons every week, and I'm, I'm hearing Bronson use me and, him, and my wife, Kathy, and I'm like, oh, there's going to be. I told him, I said, one of these days, dude, there's going to be a time. I think he forgot when he asked me to take today. I think he really forgot about what has been going on in the past. So let me tell you a little bit about Bronson. <laughs> you ready for this? See, when Bronson, I think, was a senior in high school, he had a youth pastor who was leaving. He was moving from being a youth pastor, and he was moving on to getting his own church. Well, in the process of, 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 of making this change, he wanted to leave his youth group in good, good shape. So he, all of his staff members, and it had to be Kathy and I were part of his staff, uh, youth staff. He set everybody up and had a staff where it could run itself to it could call somebody. But he, he, he told these guys one night, he said, I want all of y'all to partner up. I want y'all to find at least, you know, one or two people that you can partner up and hold each other accountable. But to begin to pray and to pray for, for, for each other and to pray for our youth group and to pray for, for your school. Well, see, Bronson and, and ended up being three other guys. They got together and they started praying. And God began to move in their life. And these guys began to say, you know what? We're not going home. So we had church on Sundays and church on Sunday nights. We had a Monday night was our youth service because, you know, we liked it loud and, and, and uh, it disturbed some of the older people that, in, in the youth room and the, the sanctuaries together. So we decided we'd move our night to Monday nights and we could have the sanctuary then, bigger room and, and all the stuff. And we could just make all the racket we wanted to for the Lord. You know, we could crank up the band and do whatever, but it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't a hindrance. So Bronson and these guys begin to pray. And after Monday night service, they would, we're going upstairs. So they had an upstairs uh, above the sanctuaries and around the thing. So they would go up there and they'd begin to pray. Well, it didn't take much time that the Lord began to come down and minister to those guys. So I would stay. I mean, I had to stay and lock the church up. They couldn't stay up there by themselves, you know, with everybody there. So, so I began to, to go and pray with them. We prayed for a few weeks. And then one night we started into the room, you know, from after the youth service. And, and we started in the room. And it's like God just stuck his hand. They went in, they went in. And when I started going to the door, it's like God just stuck his hand. And I was like, and he said, don't go in there tonight. I'm like, what, what? why can't I go in there tonight? Because I'm telling you, you would have had to have been there to see how God was moving in these four guys. Eventually, they called them the four horsemen. That's what everybody in, in the youth group started calling them, the four horsemen, because God began to come down in, in a powerful way. They matured very, very quickly in their prayers. And I, asked, I was sitting in a hall, 
And I would ask God, why can't I go in there, God? Because they shut the door. God said, shut the door. And I, they said, well, why don't you come in? And I'm like, God tell me I got to stay outside. Well, why? I'm like, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure that out. And I would hear them go in there and shut the door and start praying. I'd sit in the hall and cry. Because honestly, I didn't hear grown men praying prayers that I had come hear those four young men praying in that prayer room. I would hear them stomping the floor and tell them, devil, you, you're not going to take our friends. We're tired of the alcohol. We're tired of the drugs that our, our, our friends are in. They're getting locked up. They were dying in car wrecks. I'm tired of the sex that's going on in our school. They begin to pray and they would stomp their feet. They were, they, were, they were just praying heaven down. And God said, the reason you can't go in there is because he reminded me there were times somebody would come to him and say, Mr. Gary, Mr. Gary, would you pray for this? My grandfather's sick, or this has happened, this has happened. I said, yeah, we'll pray. And I, I would pray for him. You know, and in a while, sometimes they would come back and say, Mr. Gary, Mr. Gary, thank you. God answered your prayers. My, my grandfather's good, or this happened, this happened. And God said, I want them to have the faith in their own prayers. They're, they're asking you and giving, thinking that you, your prayers are being heard, and, and, and they're not growing in their self. They're asking you to do it. So God said, I want, I want to spend time with them myself because I've got a plan for their life. And they begin to pray and pray and pray, and God began to work. And, and I could tell you on and on and on, it, it got to a point where they were staying after church on Sunday mornings. They didn't go home and eat. I'd throw them the keys because those four guys would stay and pray to two or three o'clock in the afternoon. They, they skipped lunch. This is a young man. They got to eat all the time, you know, all the time. They would pray to two or three o'clock in the afternoon before they come home. And then we'd go back to church that night. They would stay after church and pray again. They would stay after on Monday nights. There were times when it was 12, 12 midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And, and it got to be where there was so much power and, and God was doing so much in their lives that the other kids started staying over. And then adults started coming up and say, I, I need you to pray for me. God was healing people. God was doing stuff. It was, a, it was an awesome thing to see. And I, I could go on for probably a day's but tell you, but that's how they matured in their prayer because they got to a point where they, they forsake everything else. That year, Bronson reached almost all of his high school football team for their Lord. They, they were coming to youth service, almost all of them. Walked on the football field, witnessing the people. They were praying, praying in, the, in, in the locker room before they came out. Walked out to the sideline with a guy one night on the sideline before pregame and saw a young man bowed down with another guy who was going through some problem with his dad who was locked up because of drugs. And Bronson laid him on the sideline before a game started to the Lord. That's what maturity in your prayer does for you. That's what boldness comes on you, okay? So how about today? How about our lives? What do we need to do? Those four guys, there was four of them. All four of them were called. Bronson was called to preach. Another guy was called to preach. One guy was called to be a missionary, and one guy was called to be another preacher. One of them started out preaching, was doing a good job. He got tempted by certain things and fell into alcoholism and drifted away. The other guy who was supposed to be a missionary just kind of fizzled out. He never really followed through. He just got in the wrong crowd and fizzled out in, in, into the trials that he went through. Bronson and one other young man both have churches now. Both of them are growing in the Lord. Both of them are ministering and have done a lot of work in youth and stuff like that. But see, I can remember not early one morning telling those 20 teenagers, look, we got to go home. We got to get out of this place. It's late. Y'all got to get home. And then let me flip back to another story that happened this week. Tuesday morning, I was traveling to Alabama. About 9.45, see, I, got, I left there about 4.30 or 5 o'clock that morning. I'm driving down the road. 
finished my coffee and I just begin to pray. I'm like, you know, I just begin to, I, I got a six hour drive and it gives me time to pray and talk to God. And I confess the sins that, that have been seen in my life that I need to get out. I wanted my relationship. When I go to God, say, God, let me tell you something. I really didn't put this in my notes. It just hit me. When I really began to pray, when I got saved and started praying, I began to read the Bible. I didn't understand it. And I say, God, why is it so hard? Why don't you just give me a French book? I, I, I could read a French book and get as much out as I do the Bible. And God told me that his spirit lived in me. First, first Corinthians, it says uh, that I'm not a natural man anymore, that his spirit lived in me. He said, I'm going to send my spirit and teach you and I give you understanding. And I found out later that's scripture too. So I began to pray. So God told me that night, he said, when you come to my table, I want you to wash your hands. And I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to get the Bible dirty. He goes, no, 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 your heart. I want you to cleanse, confess your sins so that I can have that relationship, that closeness with you. And then I want you to ask me to send the Holy Spirit and give you understanding. When I did that, it changed my life. Then I, I began to pray. So I began to pray. And about an hour after I was praying and driving in the road and having my praise and worship music on, going on the radio, I got a call from my son in Florida. He lives in Stewart, Florida, and he has a church there. And he, and he said, when, when I answered the phone, I knew there was something wrong because he was really, really, really agitated. And I said, son, what, what's going on? What is it? He goes, daddy, I don't got time to tell you. Just pray. I need you to start praying now. Uh, his minister, his worship leader, just run through. The, he said he was in his office and heard him, heard him screaming, Pastor Brian, Pastor Brian, Pastor Brian, I got to go, I got to go, Pastor Brian. And he said he ran out of his office and he was headed to the door. He says, what's the matter? He said, my babysitter just called. My daughter's not breathing. I've got to go. He said, go, go. And he said, pray faster, pray faster. So as he was going back to his office, he started praying. So he got in his office and he called one of his elders and he called me. And he said, Dad, I need you to pray now. Danny's little girl has died, and they've had, some, they've had her in, in, for several weeks. She's been going through all kinds of stuff. Her breathing's not been right. She's been breaking out of the house. Doctor after doctor after doctor every week, they can't find anything wrong with her. They don't know what the problem is. So I start praying, and I got the biggest burden on my heart, and I, I begin to weep. And I'm like, I can't even see the road to drive. So I found this little store that was empty, and I pulled off of the side, and I opened the door. I got on my knees, and I began to pry crying. I begin to bind the enemy. I begin to, I begin to speak life into that little girl. I begin to tell her to breathe, that the life has to return to her body. And about 10 minutes later, my phone rang. He said, Daddy, it's all good. You can stop praying. The EMTs were there. They got her back. They, she's good. They're going to go ahead and take her to the hospital. But say, what if I'd have been driving in the road and had some bad thoughts in my mind, or I was not having a relationship with God? How could I reach the throne of God if there'd have been something between me and God? You know? It's important that we keep, the scripture says to pray continually. We, we have kids continually have to have this mind frame that we pray and seek the Lord. Okay? Uh, so let me ask you, how's your prayer life in the morning? I'm not a morning person. My wife gets up at 4.30 or 5 every morning. I like to stay up at 9 for you. know, you got to find the time that's right for you. What, how, how are you built? But at some point in, in time, you, you need to find a time and a place where you can pray. And you begin to grow and begin to mature. Okay? This is a model prayer, right, that we're talking about. It's a model that Jesus gave us that he would model for us. We model it to our boys. And I see God has put that in their prayer, and they know how to pray. I love to hear, hear these guys pray, man. It, it, it's awesome when you start seeing young people cry but when, uh, to pray. But when those young people begin to pray down here, and they begin to grow up here, and they begin to see God move and work in their lives, you'll begin to see things happen. So it's important for us parents to be sure that we teach our kids how to pray. It's important for our, our children to see us pray. 
My other son reminded me one day, he said, Daddy, when I was, when I was young and I would be in the bed, see, see, my boys, even in high school, when they went to bed, I would be up late night. I, I always stopped at their bedrooms, kissed them on the forehead and told them I love them and prayed the blessing over them every night before I went to bed when they were in high school. And I still do sometimes. I pray for them all the time, but sometimes I still pray a blessing over them. Just touch them and say, I love you. I bless you in Jesus' name. It don't take much, but... You start, start when they're little parents, okay? Somebody asks you, how's your prayer life? Have you got to that place where you really can communicate with God or, or you just don't have time? You know, for this society today, most of us, I don't have time. I don't have no time. We, we make time for what we want to make time for. That's what I found out. If I really want to do something, I can make it happen. I can make it happen, I promise you. And you can too. But I found the best thing I can do is make time to pray. If I can make time to pray, my day's going to go better. Somebody else is going to go better. You may tell you, I was reading a while back, uh, Mary, who was queen of Scotland, she knew what the power of prayer was. She knew what mature prayers went. You know, a quote I read from Mary, queen of Scotland, she says, she said this about John Knox. She says, I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000. See, she was a queen, and she knew the power of an army. But she said, I feared that man more than I fear an army coming at me with 10,000 men. Why? Because she knew that John Knox had mature, powerful prayers, and when he prayed, he could come against her kingdom. There was nothing she could do because God of God of the universe would hear his prayers and move on her kingdom and stop the stuff that she was doing. Testimony that, that... People who were not even Christians realized, I, when I see that man, it, it scares me. I fear him because I know that there's a holy God living in him. And when he speaks to his God, his God moves on his behalf, okay? So dads and moms as Christians, we've got to model the model. The model that Jesus gave his disciples. Basically, it's just an outline. It's not a repetitive prayer. It's an outline. This is how you pray. And we begin to pray those things, Okay. Honestly, I'm a better teacher than I am a preacher. I wish I could get up here and eloquently preach like my son and, and some others do. I, I'm a teacher. I, I, I normally like to go in detail and stuff and, and bring all this stuff, but I, I'm actually a better teacher, and I love to teach. So I want to leave you with a thought as I'm closing this morning. I, I actually, I want to I give you a challenge. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, it's talking about putting on the full armor of God. And you put those breastplates and your shoes and, 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 and your belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit, your helmet of salvation. You, you have to literally pray those on each morning. And if you'll get up in the morning and put on your armor, pray it on, and speak. I, you know, I, I, just, I don't have time really to go through anymore. But I, I want to challenge you in the next few weeks to use those verses, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And I want you to take time to study those scriptures and meditate, just read them and meditate on them for day after day. And then begin to ask God to show me something, okay? And if you'll ask God to give you understanding, here's the main lesson that you're going to get out of it. I want you to get it yourself. I want you to see how God speaks, but this is the main lesson that you're going to get out of those things. To put on the armor of God is to prepare for battle. See, we're in a battle every day. The enemy's not going to give up. He comes at you and me and your children and your grandchildren and your friends. He even comes against your enemies sometimes. And you think, oh, thank you for that. No, no, you, you don't want him after your enemies because if he can get your enemies, he's going to come after you next. To put on the armor is to prepare for battle. 
Prayer is the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is hard. I'm telling you, prayer is taxing on your body. It's taxing on your mind sometimes. But prayer is the battle. And God's Word is our principal weapon, and it employs against Satan during that struggle or that battle. So if you can get up every morning and put on your armor, get ready for the battle, and then begin to pray, you will win the battle every time. Because in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when you speak that name and command, it has power. And the devil don't have a choice but to bow or to leave you or, or to release from attacking your body. So I'm challenging you in closing. I want to challenge you not to forget about it. But in the next several weeks, I want you to read those verses over and over and over and to prepare and ask God to show you. And I promise you, your prayer life will change. I'm looking around this morning. We got a lot of people on vacation this week, a lot of people. We need to see our church grow so we'll have a deeper base. We need more people to serve. But see here, you are the key. I know that God called Bronson, Pastor Bronson, to start a church here in Winder, and this is where we're at. And I know a lot of you have felt a calling or a pulling because you're here. But see, what I need us to begin to do, each one of us now, and those people who I hope will hear this on, on, on tape in the next week or two, I need you to get on your knees and begin to pray, God, you sent Pastor Bronson to start a church, and you've drawn me to come on beside him. Now we need more people, Lord. Where are they at? See, the enemy's out there trying to hold us and hinder us back. See, he, he wants to discourage Bronson and think, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? You can't go to wine or start a church. You know God didn't call you here. See, I prophesy in the name of Jesus that one day synergy will have influence in this community because they know that it is a church that prays and it influences the community, and they send back, and they pay back into the community, and they minister to the community. We're going to reach people who are far from God that nobody else can reach because God has ordained our steps as Synergy Church to reach them. But you have a responsibility. You have a privilege by Almighty God to begin to pray each day. Don't let a day go by but that you don't stop. Not just say, God, bless energy and expand us, God. There's people who we're called to minister to who are far from God. And that if we don't reach those people, they might not ever find God. It's a heavy responsibility. It's a privilege to pray for these people. We need to reach out. I want to see these chairs grow to the side. I want to see those curtains in the back pushed back. Why? Because there are people all around us who are far, far from God. And the vision the Lord placed on Pastor Bronson was reach those people who are far from God. Why do we do what we do? It's because it's not about us. Nothing we do here is about us. Everything we do here is for those people who are far from God who are not here yet. Because when God finally orders their steps and they cross our paths and they show up in this room, it's like, Wow i never been to church like that before. We're, we're seeking to do what we do for those people who are out there so when they come, they feel comfortable. So please, in closing, I'm asking you, will you make it a habit to pray for synergy at least five minutes a day? Just, just, just synergy, nothing else. Once you get your armor on and once you come into the presence of the Lord, will you pray for Pastor Bronson? 
Because if the enemy can attack him first, none of it will flow because he's the one that's got their calling. He can't do it without us. And we can't do it without God. I love the name Synergy because when we come together, you know why I love Sundays? I don't think I, I think I, when I begin to tell you, I love Sundays more than any other day of the week. And this is the reason why, because when I come to this worship service right here, the scripture says, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. When we come together and begin to worship the Lord, it's just like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's just like it magnifies. The synergy just begins to move. And it moves me to tears a lot of times because I just begin to think how, how blessed I am that I'm not still who I used to be. And let me just tell you, I love you guys. Thank all of you for coming, for sharing, for giving of your time and other things. And I just want to pray a blessing over you this morning. If you don't mind, just let me pray as close right here. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Bronson after this. But in the name of Jesus, Father, I just come before you right now. Father, I thank you for, for these men, women, and young people, Father, who are here this morning and the children, Father. I just come to you, Father, and I just lift them up to you, Father. I just I speak blessings upon them and their families, Father, their extended families. I pray, Father, you just begin to expand their territories and their jobs and their businesses, Father, and their schools, Father. You just begin to expand, Father, that, 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 that room that they've had, Father. You begin to bless and pour out a spirit, Father, and an anointing to pray on them, Father. I pray, Father, you would bless them in their finances, Father. You would bless them in their health, Father. Father, there's words your word says, Father, that, that, that in Luke it says, by what measure you give it, it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So, Father, I pray when they give love, Father, in the name of synergy, Father, or just, just themselves, you'll just send love back, pressed down, running over, Father. And I pray, Father, as they just give of their service, you'll just give it back, Father. I pray, Father, as they begin to work for your kingdom, Father, you just begin to a hundredfold, Father, begin to bless them back more than they can ask, think, or imagine. I speak blessings. I speak favor, Father, in their jobs. I speak favor, Father, with other people. I speak favor to them in this community, Father. And in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would bless them with a blessing beyond their measure, Father. Begin to open doors, Father, them in the spirit. Begin to open doors in the natural, Father, for them, Father. Whatever they put their hand to, Father, I pray you begin to bless it and expand it and grow it, Father. And I pray, Father, as you begin to do that, that, not, that they don't forget, Father, where that blessing came from, that they will begin to be faithful to give back to you, Father, as you bless what you've given to them, Father. And to you be the glory in the honor and the praise, in Jesus' name I ask it, Father. Amen.